0: Welcome to another episode of Locked On Women's Basketball. I am your host, Ben Dole. Recording on a Sunday night here. Going to get to a couple games over the weekend, but be sure to head over to post Soups where you can read about all, this, all the games from over the weekend, including Diana Taurasi's debut in Connecticut. And coming out on Monday, I will have my 12 things, which will be focused all on all-star picks. I'll be sharing my 10 picks, 10 players that I voted for as starters, as well as picking 12 reserves, which will officially be picked by by the coaches and announced on Monday. So that'll be interesting to debate potential snubs there and, and see who gets who's in and who's out. But for now, let's get to Eric Nemchuk of Swish Appeal. On the line to break down a couple of games from this weekend and some news around the league, I've got Eric Nemchok. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm good, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. So it's been a, been a while without doing a pod, so trying to get back in the saddle here and maintain some consistency and go through this weekend here just packed with a bunch of games and we're gonna we're gonna take phoenix minnesota first which many ended up pulling away comfortably and there's a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of drama a lot of complaining over the fouls but what'd you uh what'd you take out of the competitive portion of this game
1: uh phoenix has a huge rebounding problem um i know that's not really breaking news to anybody who's been following the league for any sort of time, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty fitting how Sylvia Fowles set the the double doubles record on a night where uh, Minnesota out rebounded Phoenix. They doubled them up. It was forty eight to twenty four on the boards. That's that's pretty ridiculous. I think Phoenix, like, I, I get that you know Sancho, little no Sancho or anything, but that's not. You, you can't have a rebounding performance like that and uh, expect to win. That's just my take.
0: No, I mean let's do let's do the rebounding thing. I mean, bigger picture, I think it's. I mean, it's something that hasn't gone away, and it's always kind of been there. I mean, today, I mean, the real killer is plus twelve. You know, more specifically, you know, plus twelve on the offensive yeah. glass, and, and it, it hurts even more that Phoenix, like, does, I mean, rarely gets some today. They only had three, and I think there are a couple parts to this, and obviously, but you know, the part that can't be escaped is like, is that Bernie Griner and even Bonner, like, Devon Bonner, they like, they just don't box out very often, and. Uh-huh. You know right off the jump there were a couple times in the first half where it's like yep you know you can you can watch the shot go up and pause it and neither player is establishing contact with anybody and it, it it so I mean it has to, it has to start there and I you know I've I've been you know going into this year I was probably as high on, on grinder as anybody but if it's gonna be this bad you know it's it, there I mean theres there's no way to sugarcoat it
1: you know Ben we uh over at Swish we did our uh our swoosh appeal season predictions. Uh, my MVP pick was Brittany Griner. Uh, not feeling too good about that right now. I mean, it's like she's she's posting the points per game, and you know she'll get her block shots and everything, but it's so annoying. Like she's six foot nine, and she's consistently getting out rebounded by the opponent. And I don't know. You know, look at Phoenix. They're they're last in the league in offensive rebounding, like you said. They are tenth in defensive rebounding according to uh, rebounding percentage. And that's just something that hasn't gone away for them. Like you, you have to be able to. It's just so frustrating when, when you're when your center, who's supposed to be this huge, dominant physical force, is just consistently getting out rebounded and and outplayed physically. You know.
0: Yeah, and, and and for it to happen in this matchup with Sylvia Fowles, who I think is in many ways kind of the model, and you know the the Lynx social accounts are very aggressive and and trying to remind people that they think she's the best center in the league which you know you're going to do it's your it's your player right but yeah. i I've, I've never really agreed with that but i mean the way the season's going far so far it's definitely i think it's definitely a pretty even race uh to try to call it between the, the main three at this point but it the, the other thing too is just like watching sill like she's really going to go out of her way to just go up and get like anything that's remotely around her And and with BG, it's like you know she she more or less is like she kind of just wants to wait for it to come to her. And even some of those, she's gonna lose because she's not just like you know really just like getting into people and just putting her butt into them and just making sure they can't even make a play on the ball. Mm -hmm. And you know,
1: she just moves so stiffly. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean that's that's kind of who she is at this point. You know, she's not. You know, I mean, even even Syl. You know, I think I think there's like a notable difference between those two. And just like how they move around a basketball court but yeah definitely but so I, I mean i think that thing is a part of it and and obviously to some degree it's like it's a mindset thing too you know like I, I think people meet that idea with like different you know some with like degrees of skepticism whereas some almost take it as gospel but i mean to some degree like i think everybody has to admit that it's true when it's just you know there are some players every chance they get to gets to talk about it. They talk about how you know driven they are to rebound and, and that reflects in their game and it's not something that, you know, reflects for BG, regardless of, you know I'm not even trying to hammer her that you know she should be t- you know, giving a stump speech about it every day, but I think that has to be part of it too.
1: So some self awareness would be nice. Uh, uh, uh,
0: what to to yeah? to than a little a bigger part of her game by this point, to, to change some things, but but you know it's also like you know they're like they're the players who like feel like they were put on the earth to rebound you know right and that they take so much pride in it and obviously bg does so many other things that are so valuable and that she does that at an elite level but if this is the level she's going to be at as a rebounder it's it's hurting her team it's not you know a thing that's like it's not even like a thing that you're gonna like quietly talk about like oh you know it'd be nice if that were a little better
1: yeah no it's 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 pretty unavoidable honestly.
0: So as far as the rebounding stuff, I mean, I don't know I don't know if you have anything else at least right now that you wanted to get to and talking about that?
1: Well, how about the officiating? I mean, I know that's everyone's favorite thing to talk about, but uh 18 total free throws attempted in a game that was probably a lot more physical than that reflects.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. I mean, I I, I uh I ended up going on, putting out a long thread on Twitter today, kind of going on about some of the officiating stuff. You know, today it was more stuff. You know, there was the Griner flagrant, and Bonner got a technical where it looked like she got fouled. I don't think they showed any replay of that one. It looked like she kind of got shoved in the back, which it's a justified reaction on what's... A, that's a pretty dangerous play, regardless of the, the level of contact. But, yeah, I mean, the... It, I just think we're at a point and like watching Sill, you know there was one I think perfect example I forget the timestamp, but you know Fowles is posting up and the ball gets thrown in to her from the corner in the post and BG gives her a little two hand chuck and then just is able to reach over the top to deflect it and you instantly see Cheryl Reeve just throw her arms up on the sideline and it's like yeah like that's the stuff that like it's not even like a direct shooting foul where you know it's like this obvious two bodies meeting at the rim but it's like Okay, so if you can if you can two-hand chuck somebody and then just totally and just it's like it's not, that's not basketball. That's not a basketball play.
1: Yeah, and that that's the, the two hands in the back. That's it's supposed to be like an automatic foul, you
0: know? Yeah, well, and that and that one was like the ball was still even in the air too. Like I think they're I I've noticed more and more like two hands on the back like as someone's backing down, <laughs> which obviously is like yeah. a huge problem when people are getting away with that, but when the ball's in the air, too, it's also just, like... It's also, like, such a shock, too. You know, like, you're not expecting that. So it's, like, yeah, no wonder, like, BG easily tipped that away. Like, you know, I think you, still, you saw Sill's body kind of shut down because it's, like, well, why Like, why did I just get shoved in the back like that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's, like, a natural reaction, too, at this point in their career where it's, like, you get you get shoved in the back with two hands, you're going to look at the ref. You're, like, excuse me? Like, are you going to call that or not?
0: Yeah, and... and I mean, as far as the, you know, as far as the fouls go in this one, I mean, I think the thing with Phoenix that like isn't really talked about, like Tarassi in her debut against Connecticut, like she drew a couple, I think she drew two, three shot shooting fouls, and it's like that, like they so desperately need, like the way she commands the court, because I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally in love with like Phoenix's overall like guard play and just like their ability to drive and kick, like I think that's something that has been really. Underwhelming and Duana Bonner included in that, where you know, at times she has some tunnel vision, which isn't really helping because she's like the one player that like can get some of these like more dependent players an open shot. But like, that's I mean, that's like kind of who Phoenix is. Like, I remember I brought up a while ago, like, Griner, you know, she's like this amazing like 15 foot baseline turnaround shooter, but then there are times where she like tries to kind of like embellish contact, and that's that always seems to be like when she's like least effective. Because she just yeah. isn't good at, at drawing that contact, or or she just totally like botch like botches her own chances to just like shoot a normal layup.
1: It's it, it's frustrating for sure, and I totally agree with you on the on the Phoenix guards. You know, at the start of the season when they were when they were playing so poorly, I was looking at, it, I was like, man, you know, even without DT, there, there, there's something missing on this team, and it's the driving and kicking. You know, you got players like uh, Leilani Mitchell, and oh, uh, well, she wasn't there at the start, but. Mitchell and Brian January, who are terrific spot-up shooters, but as far as dribble penetration goes, ah, I mean, it's, it's almost like it's, 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 you know, Duana Botter making a beeline for the hoop, and that's it, pretty much. Like, there's, there's a huge part of this uh, missing from this Phoenix team that I think they're really going to have to clean up. If And if, if Tarazi, you know, if she continues taking games off, I'm, I'm assuming she's going to be on, a like, a minute's limit for the rest of the season or for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, how, how do they... How how would you say
0: they, they compensate for that? I don't I don't think they really have any other options. Like BG and Bonner just they have to play better. Like like BG at like a couple moments still really got the best of her where like she did get some chances to play one on one, plenty, early in this game. And, you know, she kinda hesitates or just doesn't like right, like go right into a shot like she would against other people. Like I think some degree like still obviously makes plays defensively that other people can against her but it, I mean some degree I think she's kind of in her head too okay. and, and, okay. and with, with Bonner you know like 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 I said with the tunnel vision you know they run the so Horn's pick and roll and gets in the second half of the game and she's gets downhill going to her left and Syl just switched onto her and instead of looking for the pocket pass to Griner rolling to the basket which I mean they, like Phoenix and, and Griner are just like unless it's Tarasi making that pass, like they just, they're never in sync and they just never, like Griner doesn't look to do it enough. She doesn't, she doesn't roll hard enough. They just don't get anything out of that, which is just a total failure. And just like, it's inexcusable for them. But like, like I think that plays an example where like Bonner just keeps going left with Sylvia Fowles in her face and shoots a 15 foot fadeaway, And you know, they had like Atlanta Smith was in the game and she's just standing at the three point line. Like just throw (laughs) the ball.
1: I was wondering when when uh, when that
0: was gonna come around. Just you mean the the Smith part of it?
1: Oh, you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> I mean, with 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 Sancho little getting hurt now, it was good news that Jeff Metcalf had that it's not a major injury, so that's yeah. good. But especially with, I mean, even when Sancho was playing, I, I just don't, you know, like on some level, like yeah, you know, my read of like how Smith, good Smith was gonna be right away was was off a little bit, but also like you know, the best player at creating open threes for a player when like she isn't playing, you know, in Tarasi. Like obviously that's a part of it. But Justin. Yeah, and just like they like the fact that they haven't really had a stomach for her, it's just it doesn't make any sense to me. Like you're going back to Camille Little, who like can give you good minutes, but it's still like you you do anything and like it's a fifty fifty shot, your opponent's just gonna force her to shoot a seventeen footer. And like that shouldn't be it shouldn't be easy that easy to, like, boil your team down.
1: Yeah, and, you know, for Phoenix, I feel like this is a recurring trend for them where they, they get a first-round draft pick or early, early second-round draft pick and they just don't, either they don't have patience to develop her or, you know, they, they, they trade her early on. It's uh, it's almost a waste, you know? And for Smith, I, I mean, I do agree that she'd be a good fit next to BG and when Tarazi does come back, you know, she could benefit from some of these uh, open three-point attempts, but, but like, Right now, I, I I'm not really sure what Camille Little is bringing to the team. Um, yeah, do you I don't know do you give Brianna Turner more of a shot?
0: Uh, no, I mean I think no. she's just too small. I mean she definitely can't play the four either, and offensively she can't. And and people are gonna say it because the the gap in experience, you know, oh it's it's defense. You know, no, the way Camille Little and even Sancho at times have defended this year, like it's not that's not a reason to keep Smith off the floor. She might foul way more. But, like you know what like you have to have some kind of stomach because the way they shape this team like you have you have to get something out of some of these young players and Smith is obviously for positional reasons like the one that they should have prioritized most
1: yeah no no qualms for me I totally agree with that
0: all right so let's let's uh let's not totally like bury Minnesota in the discussion here let's actually give them some credit and try to, oh, right, right. Try to were, <laughs> were bring this back up. around to them Um I mean, how about we start with, you know, Steph. Steph, you gave me away for nothing Talbot, who's, like, huh. a good, like, a good starter if you know what you want from her.
1: I mean, man, how good has Joe Reed been, like, reloading this team? She's gotten so many players, like, rotation-worthy players for almost nothing. Steph Talbot and, like, literally nothing. I mean, that's what they needed, right? They needed a, a, a three. They needed a three who can spot up and knocked done the three, and that's what she's giving him. I mean, that's pretty basic basketball to me.
0: You know, I'm kind, I'm kind of surprised. I'm sh- um, like, I'm kind of kicking myself. I didn't think about it at the time, but I'm pretty surprised that the mark trade market like wasn't like so much more competitive for Talbot. Maybe it was, and I don't know all the goings on. But I mean, like, look at all these teams like that that could actually like be playing Talbot right now. I mean, Vegas. I don't think there's yeah. any doubt she would play for them. You know, Washington. You know, I mean, she's obviously, like, their kind of player. They might have a few too many there, but, you know, it. I mean, Indiana. Like, Indiana you, like you desperately need shooting on the wing. Like, why aren't you getting in there? Atlanta. You know, like, like, Talbot would, like, really be helping so many teams. And, again, it's like, she's not, you know, she's not a break-you-down player. She's not going to have this incredible ceiling. But, like, what she does, like, matters to all 12 of these teams.
1: She, she's so good at what she does. I mean, she knows her knee, she knows her role, and she does it, you know, pretty darn well. That, it's a great acquisition.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Sill, end of this game, 14-13, two blocks. Nafisa Collier, 6-9, and 14-11 for her as well. Odyssey Sims had 15, got, got going in the mid-range a little bit, hit a couple floaters. Daniel Robinson took 16 shots.
1: Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I was just looking
0: at the, that too. There's like there haven't been a lot of game like she hasn't had a lot of games where she's just D robs just getting up a ton of shots. I've noticed. I wrote about this too. Like D Rob is starting to like spend a lot. Like it's it seems a little concerning that she's like starting to spot up like eighteen feet out and yeah. not just stand at the three point line. Like if you spent all this time working on your three, it, it, like I'm not saying like don't ever take those twos. Like yeah, sometimes they're the best shot you get, but. It, it, like, if we're playing something or nothing, like that definitely seems like something to me.
1: I mean, it, for me, I, I kind of question this... Uh, I mean, I don't want to put it like that. You know, it's Cheryl Reeve. Obviously knows more about basketball than I do, but when you play Sims and Robinson so often together, it's like, who's who's really benefiting here? Obviously, Sims has, has flourished this season, but even today, 15 points on 20 shots, not not the most efficient. And when she's playing on the ball so often, you have D-Rob, who's not really... You know, helping your floor spacing that much. I think uh, Lexi Brown obviously struggled today, but not quite a lot of shooting from D. Rob. I I don't know, man. Sixteen shot. The the shot distribution seemed a little off for me today, but maybe this is just who they are at this point.
0: I I think the, yeah. I mean, I've advocated a few different times for Lexi Brown to to close more games and to play a little bit more with Odyssey, but I think there is kind of just like a. I don't want to call it like. A political decision at the team level but like you've invested so much time in D-Rob and she's in a contract year versus Brown still being on rookie scale I think it, it also like I think there has to be some level of like you know we, we've really poured so much into D-Rob she is a better defender you sure. have that aspect of it we you know we want to run she can help us do that and and I think it's just kind of something that you're just trying to you know it's like it, like I like I would say like I don't think it would be easy necessarily to make that switch full time and then go back if you had to, you know?
1: Yeah, you know the whole the whole veteran veteran leadership stuff, I'll buy that. And the pace I believe that's that, that's that's the key for D Rob. I mean she's obviously still one of the, the, the fastest point guards in the league and she can help you get out and run and get some easy baskets, which the the Lynx have obviously, you know, tried to do so. If that's, the, if that's the reasoning, that's fine. You know, it's just the shot distribution does seem a little strange, but...
0: Yeah. When they did run today, they totally killed Phoenix oh, every yeah. time they ran. Yeah, you know, Phoenix, I
1: mean... they're, they're too slow. They're, they're, they're too stiff moving. They can't get back in time. So, absolutely credit to Minnesota for that. That's that's not something we're really used to see them doing. But, uh, like I said, Reeve has done a great job of... You know, the turnovers are, are one thing, but you can expect that when, what, 9 out of your 12 players are brand new? And, uh... And if, if you want to get get out and run, kind of adjust your your system from a from a slower one that you've run in the past. I think I think they're right on track they're, They've done a great job at that.
0: Yeah, and, and we're we're doing this on on Sunday night, so we're not really going to hit all star stuff too heavy since the reserves are going to come out tomorrow. But you feel what would you if you had to set like a like a one to ten confidence level? Where do you think what's your confidence level that Nafisa Collier makes it as a reserve?
1: Is that the media
0: or the coaches that's coaches
1: coaches uh then I say my confidence is not very high I'd say a four or a five
0: interesting okay
1: do you, do you think I, it's higher
0: yeah I feel I feel pretty good I think I feel pretty good that she'll be in there but it's not you know not I obviously don't think she's a lock like the fans did either
1: no no absolutely not the front court is so hard this year because I mean there. you look at all like pretty much all the dominant players are in the front court uh Man, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you what do you think? Does does someone like Tina Charles or, or Candice Dupree get like a, a lifetime achievement award there? Or?
0: Yeah, that's tough. Dupree Dupree might be an interesting kind of sticking point name because
1: if, if because if it's the coaches voting for this, you know, I, I'm not saying, but I'm I'm just saying, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think like the names, the name the like the veteran names to watch would probably be. Candace Parker, yeah, Dupree, Dupree, Depending on how they view that, you know, like I think you know some people have felt pretty strongly that Erica Wheeler should be in, and then if Wheeler doesn't make it, you know, they're probably going to want, you know, you probably want to still put someone from the Fever in there. Uh,
1: I'm I'm one of those people who think that Wheeler should make it. Um, I'm obviously not a coach though, so and unfortunately, Pokey Chapman cannot vote for her own player, so we'll see if anybody else agrees.
0: Yeah. And, and, and your team too Chicago I don't know I bet I bet if you like polled just a bunch of people like coaches players GMs like like the variance in just like how people ranked the all-star candidacies of your three guards I bet it would just be all over the place
1: I agree I mean well you saw it with uh, with Courtney Vanders the players ranked her 15th I think was that am I, am I wrong on that
0: Did... I don't know if I, I don't think I saw I, the main list they released didn't go that low I don't know if that uh, information maybe, got out. Uh, maybe
1: I'm just maybe I'm just imagining things, but I, yeah. I know that
0: maybe a knowing uh, party did put that out there, though.
1: Yeah, I, I, th- I thought I saw that somewhere, but no, you're right on that. I mean, heading into the season, uh, you know, Diamond to Shield, everyone's talking, about, like, oh, myself included, not not excluding myself from this, but you know, everyone's talking. You know, Diamond to Shield is going to have a big year, breakout season. She's been super inconsistent, whereas Ellie Quigley has been. You know, she, she's one of the best shooters in the league still, even though her usage rate isn't as high as I think it should be. I, I'm not sure. I I still think she is a pretty good case as a as an all star guard. And Vanderfood hasn't been as good as we're used to, but the, the crop for for guards isn't isn't as large as it is in years past. So that will be interesting for sure.
0: Yeah, and and uh, to tie a bow on the on the Phoenix Minnesota thing here before I move on, uh, fak Benley did make her season debut. Got 22 minutes. Uh, just good to see her back out there. Obviously, they need that front court depth more than ever, and we're gonna we'll get to Elena Coates being released uh, at the end here. But yeah. Temi being back, I think you know the big question now is you know just like gathering data, seeing like how much she plays with Sill, and if we find if we feel like we learn anything more about you know if that probably not as a starter obviously, but just like. Whether that's something that should like go into kind of just like how they build this team, after this ah, you year. know,
1: the thing about that. Well, first of all, what I thought was funny is what was that like her first minute or two where she like almost right away committed a turnover from trying to lob it into Sill and do you a know, double team. But uh, you know, what what you, you already said it. What what I like about you know Tammy being back for this team is she can either play with Sill or back her up, and I think that's that's pretty important. Uh, at least while Dantas is out. You know, I'm not sure what Dante's table is, uh, uh, timetable is for when she returns. Obviously, I think that's somebody who you want to play out there with still as much as possible, just for the floor spacing factor. But in the meantime, I mean, Temi, she's she can play both the four and the five, right? So that's it's always something good to have in your pocket.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing with Temi, which we saw like a couple times against BG, is she's just like she just has like no chance against the bigger center. She's just gonna get totally run over. Um, yeah, I but I'm I'm I feel. I think I think it's fair. Like, I'm pretty confident that she can like be like a mid range shooter to like space out there and make those shots. I'm interested to see how much time she actually spends behind behind the arc and whether you know like it'd be I like I think it'd be interest most interesting if she would like just shoot with like the same aggression level as Dontis, Just you know, every time you're open, just shoot it. Obviously, she'll be playing fewer minutes anyways. But yeah. I think that'd be I think that'd be interesting to see.
1: Well, I mean, uh, WWE.com. We, uh, we've got this new, uh, this fancy new data section. So last season, she shot a total of like thirty something shots outside the paint. So, really I, mean, I don't know. Maybe that's something they can develop. They did it with Brunson, and they obviously want uh, Dantas to shoot it as as often as she can. So that's that's obviously been a sticking point for their.
0: Their power forwards. Maybe it happens with Fed Bentley. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I had one more thing on this game in the first quarter. Is just I was cracking up. It was like they. It was like a couple minutes into the game. Uh, Sylvia Fowles catches it on the right side, and then Leilani Mitchell came over to double, and Syl <laughs> and so just stood there, put the ball above her head, and Mitchell just stood there with her hand up, obviously <laughs> coming nowhere close to affecting can the play. You really, can, can you really
1: call that a double team, though?
0: Yeah. Well well so like it was like that part of it was very funny but then on like a more serious level for some like BG just like totally backed off so it wasn't a double <laughs> so then she just had all the time in the world to just find a skip pass and the RC Sims ended up getting an easy easy bucket in the lane when you know the other Phoenix defenders are scrambling to play three on four and you know they didn't exactly, exactly get any utility out of that
1: that's that's interesting <laughs> that's pretty funny
0: yeah so let's uh Let's flip over to the other game we're gonna focus on from the weekend. The Alright. The Aces finally beat the Mystics eighty five eighty one. They've they did it, they've proven it. They're the official number one team in the league. Except for the fact that Elena Deladon didn't play.
1: Yeah, minor minor detail there. Yeah, so it
0: it Vegas fell down early in that game and it was like, Alright, here we go again. Like it's just immediately down by double digits and i just i mean i i was i was there i felt like all right washington will build this to 20 by half and this is just gonna go like the other ones have but obviously not having Deladon out there i think just i mean over the course of 40 minutes it was just bound to happen like it's just it, it's obviously not as hard to guard washington without her on the court
1: sure and you know especially you know when the game is closed at the end there i was actually really impressed by uh Washington's effort late in the late in the game to kind of hang around there, but I mean you're right when you've got when it's crunch time and you've got players like McBride and Asia and Liz Cambage going up against Washington without ADD, there's just not enough firepower there. And what I, what I think was uh, important for this game is Washington. They they shot the ball really poorly, seven for twenty eight from three. They weren't really able to like deliver that knockout punch early on. So as the game wore on, you're right. You know, like law of averages says, okay, you know, the, the team with the the bigger and more talented rosters is probably going to come out on top, and that's what happened.
0: Yeah, Mike Tebow did say after that, uh Misaman was sick, and that Sanders and Hawkins are banged up. Although, you know, what does that really mean? I'm sure yeah, every yeah. team can can kind of claim the injuries. I don't I mean I don't know maybe maybe Mieserman Everyone's was, banged up. Yeah, and maybe Misaman like really had something, but I mean
1: she really, played pretty well if she was sick. I mean, yeah, jeez.
0: Yeah, she goes. She goes sevens for fifteen. Natasha Cloud had a team high eighteen, and it was interesting that she got up eleven threes. Like yeah. I don't think twenty eighteen, Natasha, Natasha Cloud would have taken, would have like been willing to take that many shots. And some of them were like you know relatively contested, not like we're leaving you wide open. Please take this shot. So I mean, I think it's just like interesting. Like I've I've kind of gone to bat a lot for just the idea of just. Proving that you're willing to take it, and I think I think Natasha Cloud is a player that's reached that point. And I, I mean, it's it shows in how good Washington has looked this year, but she's clearly crossed that point. Unless something drastic changes, where like people are going to have to treat her like that, and I think that it's makes been, a difference.
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting watching her career arc unfold because uh, I, I was I, I've been have been a fan of hers ever since she got into the league. Just her just her size and her ability to you know switch everything in the perimeter and to manage a game. That, that's nice, but as she slowly become more and more confident in her outside shooting ability, and she's obviously worked on it too. I mean, she's obviously spent a lot of hours in the gym working on that shot. You can tell by, uh, by how, how good it looks, but yeah, I mean, 11 three-pointers from Natasha Cloud. That's, that's interesting. And seeing that next to Chrissy Tolliver only taking four, that's another interesting shot distribution for you, but you know, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not gonna, they're, they're not gonna guard you if, if, if you're not gonna take it. So that's, that's step one. And, uh, yeah, kudos. She, a couple of those she hit were pretty big ones, I think, later in the second half. So,
0: yeah. The And the thing that I... The first thought that popped into my mind was just, like, sarcastically saying, like, you know, like, I could I just know, like, these two teams are going to meet in one of the playoff series. And it's just, like, it's so perfect that, like, all three times they've met, they haven't been at full strength. So it'll just look completely different than everything we saw in the regular season.
1: Yeah.
0: But... Vegas got the win and you know the regular season is all about the business of just it doesn't matter just like keep winning games and that'll that bumps you from you know one tier to the next in terms of getting a buy or not or a double buy or not which is obviously the holy grail but for Vegas Jisoo Park played a little bit where they Vegas has almost always been like Liz plus Bench yeah starters are out so I thought that was interesting that they were a little bit all benched there and Jisoo play a little bit with Liz, although like obviously again it's like it's not the challenge of guarding Washington isn't isn't the same there, but that was interesting and Sidney Colson, seventeen points. I mean uh, Lambir had a, had in his presser a couple couple games ago he kind of made the point that you know Colson if Colson isn't gonna like she either can't shoot him or won't shoot him and like that's something they have to address long term but like the fact that she's looking to score a little bit like just any semblance of that like from her from tamra young like that that just totally changes things for them because they like right or wrong like i think we have to wait till the playoffs to really judge this but you know these these four or five player bench units like i I don't know like if you you can stay even if like young or colson like hit a couple shots and that's okay
1: how about if Colson attempts eleven free throws?
0: Yeah, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that's one thing they jumped at. I mean, I knew she played well, but I looked at the boxer and I'm like, geez, that's wow, that's that's kind of catching lightning in a bottle there. But I mean good for her, you know, four steals. She made a huge impact on the game, so we'll see if they can they can that can happen again.
0: Yeah, that was just that was the whole crux of what I was writing for tomorrow about the game, is that, you know, the blueprint for Vegas to beat Washington was for Sidney Colson to shoot eleven free throws.
1: <laughs> for somebody to have, like, some randomly really good game.
0: Yeah, so... And for,
1: and for Atlanta to not play. That's...
0: Yeah, so aside from that, from this game, you know, I think if these teams ultimately meet, like, I think a series would just be fascinating because I just, I just feel like we're bound to see, like, one game, like that one where, like, Washington shoots 7 for 28 from 3, and then there's going to be another one where they make 15, and they're going to blow them out yeah and you know the the thing with the aces like i've i've been very quick to differentiate on this like people want to say like make it a make it about lambeer and like some philosophy on shooting threes i'm sorry like that's just not it like he doesn't want his good shooters to not shoot them they just don't generate as many like there's a there's a clear difference there and you know by the playoffs like with when you have Azure wilson or Liz canbaz you do need to generate more of them but you know it's you only get so many games, and it's, it's. you know, it, they need to, they probably need to like become a team that's getting a little, getting more for Plum, especially McBride and then Sugar Rogers, too. But, you know, if Rogers, if Rogers plays only 10 minutes and Plum doesn't play great, isn't hitting shots, or if, you know, they play like all the big guards at once, whatever it is, like suddenly there aren't sure. as many people to like take those shots. So it, it's, it's tough for them.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. It's it's like if Sugar Rogers isn't on the floor and, and Kelsey Plum is not on the floor, you're not really getting three-pointers from anybody except for except for K-Mac. Um, do you think that, like, maybe if he staggers Wilson and Cam Bage a little more, that'll help him generate some open more threes?
0: Um, no, I mean, they've already been really good about that. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of times Liz will go out and come back in, like in time for the end of the first when Asia's out, or, you know, there are times when Asia comes back into the game early, like, for the most part, they're pretty good about that. I mean, Jisoo Park and Carolyn Swords a lot of times aren't really playing much at all. So, right, right.
1: Oh, Swords got a DNP, I didn't see that.
0: Right, and so, I mean, it's almost always one of them with Hamby, and it's, you know, the thing that that keeps following the aces around is just, like, the the nature of their some of their turnovers are just so brutal. It's just, yeah. they're completely erratic. They just don't... They don't. They don't look like a team that like wants to play offense a lot of times, and and cambage in many ways it's interesting because like she's been like the only player that isn't like really struggling with that and just like randomly throwing the ball away, <laughs> and, and 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 you know I, I still like and like they want to enter the ball of the elbows and like that's kind of like where their offense starts and ends, but if they like they can't do that consistently and get into any kind of flow, you know. I think, like, if they're playing through Liz a lot, I think she'll make the right reads to get him out of there. You know, Asia, I'm not really sure. If people are doubling her, I think it's still the point where things are kind of up and down there. But, you know, I, I like, I just... I think, I think, like, the key moment for this team is, like, play somebody good. So, like, Washington, which obviously won't happen now, although maybe the second half, if they make up that game, or, like, L.A., if everyone's healthier, or... Phoenix with Tarasi healthy and they finally like get rolling a little bit. I want to see them play somebody good and Cambage go for thirty five, and then see what that looks like.
1: Yeah, because I mean, it seems like whenever they play really well, it's one against New York Liberty, and two. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they blow them out every time. But and but you're right. Like like Liz, it's interesting seeing her go from such a focal point on the Dallas Wings to just another cog in this. Supremely talented but erratic basketball team, and I don't know. Maybe that's something they're trying to do, uh, or maybe maybe not. I mean, I don't know. As Beer said, you know, we want to get Liz going more, or
0: uh, not not get her going. You know, it, it's been very, you know, there'll be you know it'll be different things, different nights. It'll depend how people play us. You know, like you pointed out, um, you know, they play they beat Minnesota on the road a while back, and at a practice after that, he pointed out that, you know, Minnesota is really just, like, really loading up for Liz and Asia. So our guards ended up, like, seeing more open looks. And they cashed the, they finally cashed those in. They had a slow start in that game, too. And then, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, it was one of their home losses. And he, you know, he, like, and I agreed with him. And it was interesting that he pointed it out, that, you know, the... Oh, it was the first washington game that w- where they just like the guards just didn't play well, they were getting pressured, and they just weren't entering the ball to the post when they had all the daylight in the world to do it, and they just couldn't they just like weren't even looking to enter the ball and he said like both of them should have forty that night and they just weren't even they weren't even looking and they weren't even attempting to get the ball
1: in hard to score points when you don't get the ball,
0: yeah. that's my and and, and like with Minnesota like with their combination of like lack of spacing unproven shooting and now the injuries and like how tough how sometimes it's like an uphill battle for them to like just get still 10 shots in a game and like the aces with their turnovers and trying to figure all this out like entry passing might be like the most important like commodity in the league
1: it's funny you say that because I mean it seems like such a basic thing but no, you're right. I mean, like some some of these passes. I mean, okay, so this this goes this goes deep for me because as a longtime Sky fan, I have vivid memories of teams of of players airmailing entry passes into Sylvia Fowles, and like I always wonder, like how, how how is that happening? She's six foot six. She's enormous, and she's got this great post position. What are you doing? But I don't know what, what's going on. If it's you know just like lack of chemistry or something, not know practice time. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's 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 like a free two or three turnovers every game. And you talk about wasted possessions, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that.
0: Yeah. And and, and I I, I, haven't, I don't think I've talked to you about this in a while, but I think it's interesting, like, there's just such this, there's just these two, like, ideas just totally clashing with the Aces, where, you know, even if you didn't pick them as the title favorites, obviously, like, they they were up there once, the second they made the trade. So on one hand, like, it's just human nature to, like, want to, like, you know see these like very distinct markers of progress right and like evaluate where they're at and you know how close are they and and all this stuff and and it's so it's it's easy to kind of hone in on stuff and maybe look for see stuff that isn't there and then on the other hand like well it's like a three-pong thing you have all the injuries league-wide so many of these teams aren't full strength and then you have the fact like they won eight of the last ten games and some of them were close and you can argue they shouldn't have been close but like they got it done you know
1: and that's a good point and that's that's what I kind of it's kind of the blessing in disguise of there being so much parity in the league this season is there like a real favorite right now other than maybe Washington when they're healthy
0: yeah I I mean I my preseason favorite was Phoenix we obviously haven't seen them at full strength um, you know LA we haven't seen at their best yet either
1: not even close no
0: yeah and, and also you know, that's largely health related to you know Connecticut. You know I, I think I think it is possible. Like we may very soon look back on that losing streak as a smaller blip than I think we may want to make it out to be. But yeah, I mean I think I think it's Washington, and I don't. I don't know that I. I mean, I guess Vegas is probably the team I feel second best about right now.
1: Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. All things considered, uh, I mean they're they're starting Jackie Young at point guard. That's not really ideal. I'm a big Jackie Young fan. But if in this offense, I mean, I, I'm not sure if that's if that's ideal for them. So it, they've uh, they've done really well lately against some some struggles of their own. So yeah, props to them.
0: Yeah. So as far you know, Vegas, Washington, you know, I don't, I don't know if you had anything else on this one. You know, my last thing was like the game. You know, the game. There, there is like, there's like, again, it's like, I'm not like, I'm not like really sticking my neck out on this, but if I have to say something or nothing, this is definitely something. Like, Emma Mieseman, if she's playing big minutes, you know, like, like I've, like, before the season started, I was in the camp of like, it like, just treat it like, you know, she's a bench player. Like, you just keep, you have to keep Latoya Sanders on the floor, playing starter minutes. But, like, you see a matchup like this, and it's like, you do kind of wonder, like, who she's going to guard. Because we saw the very beginning of the game, Asia Wilson, right hand, drove right by her. And then the end of the game, one of the key buckets going left, blue-right by her. I think, like, I think it's I guess it's something you definitely have to think about in a matchup like this.
1: It is. It actually, you know, to be honest with you, Ben, I think the six-woman role is perfect for Emma. It's perfect, because you can stab your lineups against, you know, tough teams like this. And, like you said, Latoya Sanders is so good. I don't think she gets the credit she nearly enough credit that she deserves. Just for her defense and her activity, uh, you know she's so long, she's so active on defense and on the boards. She really should be starting next to next to whomever. I mean, if EDD is out, you know you find start Emma, but you need to keep Latoya on the floor. That's that's just my opinion. But
0: yeah, and I should add, like I pointed to those two plays, but the overriding thing is, yeah, you have to keep Latoya's defense on the court because they yeah. like they have some size on the wing and they're versatile because of that, but they're also versatile because it's Latoya out there. And Deladon, who's, like, a little, like, underrated, she's not, like, amazing at one thing defensively, but she's, like, just, like, always there, and she's, like, a sturdy body, which, like, I don't think, like, people really bring up, but, like, that matters a ton, Um, but, yeah, it's more about, like, they just can't, like, the Deladon-Sanders duo, I just don't think there's any way they can be good, they're better on both hands with anything other than that playing together, so maybe you go big in some matchups, and, I mean, you, th- could, they, you
1: could try it yeah. but I mean like how, how, how good of a problem is it like oh no I need to bring MME Simon off the bench
0: yeah, you know? yeah 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 that's the that's the uh, but th- that would be interesting if they if they do a little bit of that I'd like to see what that looks like because I mean I think like I think they definitely have a better chance of doing it than Sparks who you know got kind of talked up a little too much for my flavor yeah for my, for my yeah
1: and <laughs> no, I, I agree with you on that
0: Alright, so let's uh let's get to two little bits of news. We mentioned Temi Fegben, they made her debut and so prior to today's game, Alana Coates was waived and you know, she she filled in for Minnesota playing some backup center minutes. They made that trade with Chicago for the third round pick and you know, there probably just wasn't a spot for Coates to at least to play very much. You know, like like to, to bring this back first to Chicago, like I think like as to Endor is a better player, so like, yeah. like that. I'd like to kind of put that into context. If I mean, and with Minnesota, you know, they they have Temi, and even with all the injuries, it's just a little bit of roster crunch there. And I don't know. It's you know, the the the, the number two pick stuff is going to get brought up a lot. And like people did this with the Cheney trade too. It's like former number one pick. It like once they're in the league, you just you have to stop bringing that up. Like that doesn't add value. You can't say like, "Oh, well, they well oh they were the you know they were the number six pick." That doesn't matter anymore. It just matters what people think about the of them as a basketball player.
1: Did I? I believe I think I actually brought this up last time when, when the Bulls signed Jabari Parker. Oh, we're getting a former number two overall pick, Jabari Parker. And uh, and then I suffered greatly for a couple months before they traded him. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, but. But anyway, like uh, the thing about like Coates is that the problem with her fit in Minnesota is Sylvia Fowles is pretty much you have to play her like thirty four to thirty six minutes a game, and Coates isn't a player where you can play her next to Syl. So her ceiling in Minnesota was a backup center, you know. Whereas Tammy can maybe play a little bit of four, a little bit of five. I know you're not high in her as a five, but like that's that's just the way it goes. You know, it, she has more skill. Um, she's probably got a little more versatility. I think Coates has a place in the league, no doubt about that. But Minnesota, it, it, I think it's a situation where it'd be tough for her to thrive.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's tough for any one position defender, or not, or just one for a single singular position player. Co- I mean yeah. Coates is a center; that's what she is, and yep. it, it's tough in a forty minute game. You know, that's I mean this like this is a good time for like yeah I don't, I don't know like for coaches for Coates' agent and just for more people to just bring up the fact like playing a 48 minute game would sure help like the one forty-four that are already in the sure. league. Cause you know, if you're, if you're just a point guard or you're just a center, like it's life's pretty tough. Like, yeah, like you said, you know, you might get six to eight minutes and it's hard to really do a lot in six to eight minutes, especially if you're a college player who like obviously wasn't doing anything close to that for three or four sure. years in college. That's a tough adjustment. Yeah. And, and I mean, as far as, you know, I, You've you've seen Summer Coates up close, you know. What I mean? What do you think she really needs to needs to add to her game?
1: Just like some sort of post move, you know. I mean, it's it's just like drop step, and that's it. Uh, when when this guy were playing against uh, Minnesota a few days ago, I mean, she was playing one on one against Steph Dolson, and she, when she she couldn't get her drop step off, and she you know made a couple moves, and then went nowhere and, and traveled. So it's like, well, you know, I mean, she's got the body. I feel like she's got the, the movement or at least enough of it for her to be an effective player. I mean she's she's a pretty good rebounder, but she, you need to have, you know, some sort of offensive skill in order to, you know, stick in this league because we, we talked about it before, there's always gonna be four or six players, really good players, post players in the draft that are gonna come in and are going to compete with you in training camp. And if you're not up to it, well, they're gone. So yeah, I mean I don't think I don't think a, a mid range jumper is in her future, but at least some sort of post would like did you talk about me seeing players up close? Cheyenne Parker, I think, is the ultimate example. She is so good at going to her left hand now and like beating people off the bounce. Coates isn't that explosive, but I mean, Cheyenne is proof in the pudding. Like, if you want if you work at it, you can develop like at least one really reliable post move like that. So I think that's what Coates needs to do to to really make an impact in the league.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's gotta be there's gotta be something there offensively that's really you know, that's really putting you on the floor that just can't be you know that's just one thing that's undeniably good but let's get to a little bit older piece of news and I'm gonna let you start with this one since I'm obviously <laughs> I've obviously stated my case plenty on this topic but uh, Connecticut waving Bridget Carlton they brought Natisha Heideman back the the mole Natisha Heideman <laughs> he scored 10 points as they they beat Atlanta the other day but what are you, what were your uh, what were your thoughts on that whole process for Connecticut?
1: You know, this is a really tough one because uh, I have been told that Carlton is definitely WNBA caliber. I won't say by who, uh, it's it's you, but you know, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough one because like Leisha Clarendon, your backup point guard goes down, and all of a sudden things go all out of whack. You know, uh, so they're kind of forced to bring back Heidemann just to have another point guard. Because Jasmine Thomas not playing all 40 minutes a game, obviously. Uh, and, and Carlton, you know, she's just a, a matter of like, you can't afford to, to bench Strickland for too long because she's your most uh, consistent three-point threat. You can't afford to take Alyssa Thomas off the floor. You know, you've got so much invested in Courtney Williams. So it's like, well, again, Carlton just wasn't getting enough playing time, and it's no fault of her own. It's just that that's a really tough perimeter rotation to crack. And they had a very pressing need, which was backup point guard. So, I mean, I think that's it, it was nothing that she did or didn't do. It's just that, like, hey, there's there's greater needs elsewhere. It was a really tough cut.
0: Yeah, like looking at the different pieces of the puzzle, it's all really interesting because Lasia gets hurt, and you know the like the like the bit of reality here too is like Rachel Banham is not a point guard, right? Like that's what we're <laughs> like that's what you were indirectly saying there, and and it's it so you you know and then you you have a roster spot allotted to Banham who's you know functionally a two yeah. so yeah they had they had to get a ball handler on the roster and you know and then you just you, you just you just eventually run out of spots at that point you know Bria Holmes has been good for them I think she's been really good so obviously yeah. like that's not somebody that's getting cut so and it's um, I'm interested to see Like if somebody moves On Carlton at some point The rest of the season um, And obviously You know I don't know Like it's And on one hand too With Connecticut too It's like You know it, it It's Like it, you can't not Like I get it Like I'm the I'm the Carlton guy Like I've I've made my Like I've put myself out there Enough on that So like I'm always gonna be Viewed as biased I understand that But like yeah, like you have to look sideways a little bit at what Connecticut's done with this roster, too, like we were told all preseason long, right? This is the year of Bree Jones. she had an awesome year overseas, okay, but like it like sometimes like big numbers overseas don't really mean anything yeah. it's not the w n b a and like so Bree Jones like hasn't really panned out as a backup center, so like there's one roster spot where it's you know. And, and you know they've been all about you know Kurt Mills are all, all about culture and all that stuff and well you know that kind of just seems like somebody they just kind of wanted to believe in who maybe hasn't really shown them all that much given a lot more time and then kind of the same thing with Bantam you know I, I think a pretty like a pretty similar player to Carlton but Carlton's much bigger and a better passer but just hasn't had a chance to really show anything do
1: you think this is an example of well we drafted Bantam in the lottery so we gotta, we gotta try to keep her
0: yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like I said, I think it's I think it's like the culture thing. I think it's like you really want to make a statement that like you develop people and and some degree, like you want to treat people right that you've had for a long time too, sure. right? Yeah, that's that, 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 that's a good point. Yeah. But like this, like this is also like the best league in the world, right? And if it it with that said, like your priority should also be like we need to keep the best players and like in that vein and you know tie in the Lexi Brown, all that stuff too, like. You know, they obviously just, like, they haven't handled this all perfectly. They haven't, you know, they haven't used the best players that they've had with those spots.
1: So where, I'll ask you, Bridget Carlton fan, uh, where do you think she would uh, best be utilized now?
0: Best utilized? So uh, am I assuming, like, she's going to play on the yeah, team? Yeah, yeah, just, just,
1: just say, if, if, you, if you could have one team to pick her up, uh, where do you think uh, what would be the best move for her? Yeah.
0: Well, not necessarily to play, but I mean, I think Vegas, like, they just need somebody to, like, make a shot, <laughs> and, like, Carlton yeah. will definitely oh. do that, like, you like, and, you know, they're just all about, like, dribble handoffs, like, side pick and roll, like, the stuff McBride does, like, obviously she's not McBride, but, like, that's the kind of stuff Carlton would do well to kind of transfer what she did as a scorer at Iowa State at a smaller scale. Um, Washington okay. would be wonderful. But they just won't probably want out the roster spots. I'm not really gonna advocate for them to cut one of those players over her. Seattle, you know. I think Carlton's I got thinking. I think Seattle's got a little more up I think Carlton's got a little more upside than like a Blake Dietrich.
1: Yeah, no Seattle was what I was thinking. But but here we go again. So like is I, they obviously cut or they obviously signed Blake Dietrich because they needed they just needed a, a guard who could handle. So I mean that's there's there just aren't enough roster spots sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and shooting on the wing, right? We have to bring up Indiana too. Like, although that that although oh God, that's Indiana like could use any shooter, yeah. Although they're like they're, their their picture is a little better. Like it's they definitely need shooting, but I'm I would not advocate for one of those wings that they have to get cut in this situation.
1: Well, I mean, someone like Benaijolani, she's playing really well. I, like you can't take her off the floor no matter how poorly she shoots.
0: Yeah, and and that's like another Connecticut player to bring up, right? That like yeah. Although although. Yeah. The by by virtue of trading for Bria Holmes that just kinda filled that spot. Right, right. And you know,
1: Indiana I think they're you gotta you you you, you gotta mention for Indiana, Victoria Vivian's not not playing this year. That's pretty huge for them, I think. So it's like, well long term.
0: Yeah. So we got to uh so that's uh there's your talk for the day on uh, one former lottery pick and one and one player that one of the two of us almost thought should have <laughs> almost been in lottery consideration last year <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there we have uh, we have the all-star reserves pick com- picks coming tomorrow so that'll obviously be exciting and fun to dissect that and of course talk about who got snubbed without actually replacing oh, yes. them with anybody oh yes. But outside of that, Eric, let us know what you have in the works. You've been doing, uh, you've been doing those stats pieces on Swish Appeal, which I think you've, which you've, you've gotten, you've been very good at right away. You've only done a couple of them, but you've done a really good job there of kind of laying it all out and writing it for people both who might be, you know, totally unfamiliar with what you're talking about, and people who have some, you know, some working knowledge of it. So I think that's those have been fun to read. We'll let people know, uh maybe if you have the next version of that coming or what else you might be working on
1: yeah I mean I really appreciate you saying that because I, I, I have been trying not that I don't try hard on anything else but I, I've really been trying hard I've, if, if anybody's like familiar with my writing in the past you can tell when I'm really excited to write about something this is something that I genuinely am excited to delve into every week because it's been something that I think the league has been lacking for so long and I've been lacking for so long just this huge mine of information that we know has been out there but isn't, hasn't really been available until now. So I've been having a lot of fun with it. I think, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for next week yet. Maybe some lineup data. Uh, maybe some lineup stuff. Or I know for uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, the stats piece is going to get pushed back because I need to write about all-star snubs. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> be prepared for me to get uh, very mad online about that. Um, but there will be another... I, I try to do one stats piece per week. Um, but I haven't decided on what I'm going to do yet for this week. So if you have any... Uh, you have any suggestions? Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear them.
0: Yeah, and you'll, uh, we'll all have plenty of time to read that because we have a uh, Monday and so a Tuesday out, off yeah. and a one game on Thursday. So there'll be, there'll be plenty of time outside of that, but go follow Eric and go uh, keep up with uh, what he's writing over at Swish Appeal. But Eric, thanks yes, for coming up.
1: Yes, I expect you all to spend all of your time off to read everything that I do. That's,
0: that's very important. There you go. All right, Eric, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Okay, thank you, Ben. Have a good night.